Hello, everyone. On this episode of Church in Maine, we will look at the uh, 10 best episodes of 2023. Now, section of the 10 best is the 10 most memorable. Yeah, we're going to go with that. The 10 most memorable episodes of 2023. That's coming up. Welcome to Church in Maine, the podcast at the intersection of faith and modern life. I'm Dennis Sanders, your host. Happy holidays. Church in Maine is a podcast that looks for God in the midst of issues affecting the church and the larger society. And you can learn more about the podcast, listen to past episodes, and donate by checking us out at uh, two places, churchinmaine.org or churchandmaine.substack.com. Consider subscribing to the podcast on your favorite podcast app and leave a review um, or a rating, and that helps others find the podcast. So for this episode, as I said earlier, I'm going to be reflecting on some of the um, interviews that I did in 2023 and also looking ahead to uh, 2024. It so turns out that the episodes I have listed turn out to be 10. Um I won't call them the 10 best. They're actually kind of the 10 most memorable. Um, there were one, there are a lot of good interviews from, uh, 2023, but these are the 10 that kind of stuck out, uh, for a lot of different reasons. And so I'm not going to be showing clips, but I will put the links to the episodes in the, um, uh, episode description. So, uh, do go there to find the links and, um, I would encourage you to listen to them. Um, I think that they are good. Um, I had hoped to do this earlier, but, you know, being a pastor um, makes it very hard. Um, but also, it's also been kind of a challenging year. Um, I'm kind of actually looking forward to 2023 ending and hoping for a better 2024, as many of you might be aware of. Um in the summer, uh, in July of this year, my mother um, uh, had a stroke. And um, kind of they say that the first year of stroke recovery is a challenge. And that's been the case. Um, Mom is doing well and, and is still kind of doing okay, but um, had some falls in, in, the, in the fall um, in autumn and uh, had to go back into the hospital and get some rehab and is out. Um, and, um, now though is dealing with not stroke related, but sciatica, but having the stroke doesn't help. Um, so that's not great. Um, but I do know that my mom has always been resilient. Um, she's been resilient through this whole thing. Um, she's been, um, resilient through all of the ups and downs and we got to celebrate her turning 90, um, on the 15th of this month. So, um, 
I'm hoping that it is 2024 is a better year for her. Um, hoping that, you know, things will kind of stabilize. I hope it's a better year for myself and my husband, uh, my husband, Daniel, um, who has been a saint and an incredible helper through all of this. Um, just hope that things kind of stabilize. So, um, I guess this is kind of one of those things that I do ask for prayers and I hope that that 2024 will be a, a bit of a better year for all of us. So, um, as I said earlier, you know, I did uh, want to try to do a, the recorded episode earlier. Um, you know, things got a little busy with taking care of mom and, and getting the church ready during Advent. Um, and I was able actually to write out this episode. Um, so there's a link to it if you'd like to read it. Um, but I decided I was going to try to do this um, just to get it posted before the end of the year for people to look at and and look back at 2023. So these are the episodes. They are not in any kind of order. Um, no, it, the first one here is not number 10 or number one. It's These are just the 10 that... Um, are the most memorable. So the first one I want to share uh, was an episode I did in February of this year. I interviewed Ben Crosby. Uh, ben is an Episcopal priest. Um, he is studying um, at um, McGill University in Montreal. And I happened to stumble upon a substack, um, his substack. And um, what he said was just kind of I don't know. It was fascinating. It was refreshing. Um, he was saying, I think, what what some of us have been feeling for a long time, and a lot of the frustrations that we deal with um, in uh, mainline Protestantism. Um, he shared about how it seems so common for mainline for leaders in mainline Protestant denominations to basically be in denial of the ongoing decline in their midst. Um, we get a lot of happy talk um, about how, quote unquote, how God is doing a new thing. Never mind that, you know, churches are closing left and right and our denominations are shrinking um, steadily. And so his interview, um, his substat and his interview were words of assurance because it kind of helped me to realize I was not going crazy. Um, I think there are a lot of people out there these days that really do nothing but make fun of the mainline and its decline, or they kind of just shake their head about the sad state of this tradition. But Ben's essay and then his interview show that there are some people that really do care. They really do want to see something change. And I was so glad to um, have the chance to talk to him. Um, and I hope to do so again. I know that he is very busy um, in his work um, and his, his schooling but I hope to have him back. And I was thankful for his voice, um, that he's willing to kind of speak up and say what needs to be said um, at a time when so many others really don't want to face facts. Um, these next few, these next four actually, are kind of all related. Um, 2023, as I said, is, you know, it's... It's another year of mainline Protestant denominations shrinking. Um, but 
among these four people that I interviewed, that what they reminded me is that there is still vibrancy in this tradition. There is still hope. So one of the first that I talked to um, was back in March, um, and I chatted with Don Darwin Weeks. She is uh, um, an ordained pastor in the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, which is my uh, denomination. Um, she is one of the pastors, along with her husband, of Connection Christian Church in Odessa, Texas. Um, Connection actually started as First Christian Odessa, but they sold their building, they moved, and they also got a new name. And Don talked about the journey, um, and which was summed up in her book, which came out earlier this year, called Breakthrough. Um, and after really this past year hearing about so many churches in our denomination closing, it was good to hear the story of a church that is being renewed, and it's being renewed by listening to the Spirit. So um, definitely give a listen to that episode with Don Darwin Weeks. And then in October, um, I had the opportunity to chat with Graham Bocott. He is a priest in the Anglican Church of Canada. Um, his story is fascinating. I read his story. Actually, his story and, and um, Ben Crosby's are somewhat similar because I think I read something about him or um, related to him either in, in Ben's Substack, which then led me to the Anglican Journal, which is the kind of the magazine for the Anglican Church of Canada talking about uh, Graham's story. And his story was that he was able to help bring back a closed congregation, a, a congregation that had been, uh, as they, in, in kind of Anglican speak, was deconsecrated uh, back in uh, 2008. And through conversations um, in a, a town in rural Ontario, um, he talks about and tells a story about how he, working with uh, a group of people, a group of people he describes as six miserable Anglicans, they were able to revive this congregation and not just revive it, to make it a thriving congregation that had a, has an impact, that has made an impact on its rural uh, uh, Ontario community. So um, Graham is showing that churches actually can get second acts um, if they're willing to uh, put their trust in God and to see where God is going to lead. Um, the next episode is one where, um, it's funny, I, I did a, an interview this week that will be coming out probably next week. Um, it's the first uh, interview for the new year where the person that I was interviewing was talking about the fact of who was an also a Disciples of Christ pastor, that a lot of the churches in, in the area where he lives were started by lay people. They weren't started by pastors. Um, and I think that that was true where I live here. And I think that that has been true in a lot of cases, that lay people started churches. Now, these days, it's a lot more common to see uh, churches that are started by pastors. But even though that is now more the norm these days, there are still examples of laity out there that are starting new communities of faith. And I happen to know one of those people. Um, I had an interview back in, I believe it was in September, um, with Laura Coddington. She is a uh, 
Methodist lay minister of uh, St. Michael Community Church in uh, St. Michael, Minnesota. St. Michael is a an exurb, uh, maybe about 25 miles um, from, 25, 30 miles from Minneapolis. Um, and she tells about how she and her husband, Brent, have started this community um, and have become a visible presence in the St. Michael community. And it's just a, a wonderful reminder that you don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to have necessarily an MDiv to plant a church. What you do need really is a heart for mission. And so, yeah, listen to, especially if you're a lay person, but you've always had maybe a a fascination of helping to plant a church, listen to that interview. I think that you will enjoy it. So the the last interview that I did for 2023 was uh, with Paul Moore. He is a a, a colleague. I've known him now for over 15 years. Uh, he is a Presbyterian pastor. He is a pastor that is passionate about local church ministry. Um, he was able to kind of turn around a church um, in southeastern Minnesota. Um, and he has uh, also now been a pastor for almost 15 years of a new church plant of the Presbyterian Church USA in um, Blaine, Minnesota, which is another suburb of the Twin Cities. Um, in his interview, we talked about his home congregation in Worthington, Minnesota, which is in the southwestern part of Minnesota, and how um, that church has shrunk in size. Um, it's actually selling their building and moving into a smaller space. But that started him to think a lot about the fact that how many churches in the Presbyterian Church are closing and why it doesn't seem like anything is happening within that denomination to kind of stem the decline. But he's been doing some thinking about it. One of the things that he started to do in his own congregation is is to what he says, grow young. Um after a lot of kind of a year of, of discernment, his uh, congregation is hiring a uh, youth and family minister um, at, as close to full-time as possible because they want to make a commitment really to grow the next generation of Christians. Um, I think, you know, all of these pastors that I've just talked about, they all have an interest in, and feel a passion for kind of the local church and that the church still matters. Um, and I f- sometimes worry that, especially in mainline churches, we st- are kind of starting to think that churches don't matter. Um, I mean, I've even heard sometimes the word um, colonialism being used with churches. And I think that the gathered community still matters in some way. Um, and so it there is something important to hear how uh, people are still trying to find ways of creating um, visible communities of faith um, in this day and age and see that there is still a role for that. So um, the next one here is probably an issue that is obviously pretty personal for me. Um, as an African American, I still think that the issue of race is still something that's important. 
I'm not someone that focuses solely on race. I'm not someone that um, really holds on tightly to uh, kind of race in ways I think sometimes are not great. Um, but I still think it's an important issue to talk about. But maybe if you've noticed on this podcast, I haven't really talked about race a whole lot. And I think the problem is, is that I, I haven't because, well, I've been hesitant. Um, I maybe partially, it, you know, it could be cowardice. I think part of it is because the dominant um, way that we look at things, especially in mainline Protestantism, um, is about with through anti-racism. And that way of looking at racism or a race doesn't always, I don't always agree with it. But on the other side of that, I, I don't feel comfortable with those that try to downplay or even ignore race. I think race is something that's still an important issue. But I feel like the way that we talk about it now is so different and sometimes feels like it's caught up in identity, but not in a shared humanity. I think that's what I want to get at. So I think I was thankful that I got the, the chance to talk to George Yancey um, and I, about his approach. Um, he is an African-American um, sociologist, and um, we talked about what he believes is a third approach, um, mutual accountability. Now, we don't live in an era like Jim Crow. Um, I'm not one of these people that thinks that we have not made any progress. I can tell you we've made progress. Um, my dad, back 70 years ago, when he would travel between Michigan and his home in Louisiana, he couldn't stay in a hotel. That is not the case for me. I can stay in a hotel. But there are still issues. We still have to deal with them. The question is how. We have come a long way as a nation when it comes to race, but of course we still have ways to go. And I think that um, George Yancey's conversation is a good one. Um, he's also written a book about it, which of course right now is uh, fails me. But um, I do hope um, I do hope that you give it a listen. I think if you have not heard this third approach, it, it might be one that you may want to consider. I really hope that in 2024, I can bring on some other thinkers um, that aren't basically just, you know, kind of in either just the anti-racist or the color, quote unquote, colorblind camp, but people who really kind of are like, are like George Yancey that want to kind of think about this a little bit deeper, or at least in ways that are not kind of the, the dominant ways. So Please give this episode a listen. Um, I think that um, it's one that I think we need to to listen to. So this next story is one that is important. It's also with such a comedy of errors. Um, this one was with uh, Seth Perry. Seth Perry is um, a, a Lutheran pastor uh, north of the Twin Cities in a small town. And over kind of as we were coming into Lent, he decided to do a series of videos um, where he had um, basically was called giving up the stigma. Um, and the stigma here was mental illness. 
Uh, Seth is um, someone who has uh, bipolar disorder, and he wanted to, uh, quote-unquote, come out and be honest about um, how he deals with mental illness. And in his interview, he shared his story, um, which was a pretty um, riveting story, important one to hear. I think one of the things that I remember the most from that is that he has noticed how pastor, how churches can understand pastors who struggle with addiction. Um, but when it comes to pastors dealing with men, mental illness, that's kind of a whole different kettle of fish. And so he wanted to be honest about that. And I think being honest has led others to be honest about their own issues with mental illness. Um, the comedy of errors part of this is that I was doing this. I had to basically do this interview three times. Um, I had recording issues. There was a, I was using a recording service that was just not that good. And basically, um, I either lost part of the interview or I lost, um, part of the sound. So, um, basically the interview kind of had to, I, you know, tried to save it and it just was not worth, not salvageable. And so, it took about three times to get this done, uh, but Seth was incredibly patient, um, and um, I thought this was a great interview, um, even though it it was it was such a bitch to get it, um, excuse my French, to get it out there. But um, I think that if you are someone that is dealing with a mental illness, um, especially if you're clergy, um, this is something one that you should listen to because it shows that you aren't alone, that there are other people who are dealing with this. Um, and I think Seth is a great example that um, you can, li can live up to your call um, and be honest about what, who you are and what you're dealing with. Um, so uh, please give that, that episode a good listen. So, have a few more here. This one was probably the one I was most excited about. Um, the reason I was most excited about was because um, it the book that this is based off of basically blew my mind. Um, last year, I started reading um, Church in the Crisis of Decline by Andrew Root. Um, there are not you know, there are lots of books out there that are talking about church and church decline and church congregational renewal, and they're all interesting and fascinating. And I read, started reading this one um, last year. Um, I think I started reading it um, partially on a on a trip uh, to Norway, and I mean, it basically blew my mind. Um, it made me look at our the faith differently. It made me look at how we look at faith and in our culture differently. Um, it's so just kind of, well, as I said, blew my mind. I just had to try to get Andrew on the show. Um, I have interviewed his wife, uh, Cara, uh, who, I, who I've known for a long time. And um, I was happy we finally got to do so. Um, we had a great conversation on, on that book. Um, and I would like to have him back. I hope to have him back next year. Um, 
he is a, actually also a, just a delightful person to talk to. Um, not that people who I've interviewed are terrible people, but you just feel at ease. Um, especially for someone that is, is, some people would say, very well known as a theologian out there. He's just kind of down to earth. And um, I, I really enjoyed the episode. And I think especially if people are kind of struggling in their churches, struggling and wondering what to do next, um, I would definitely read Church in the Crisis Decline. Uh, th this is actually one in a series of books. There are actually, like, I think it's six um, chapter six books. The uh, most recent one came out this fall. Um, but do listen to this episode. Um, cause I think that if you, and then read the book and, and when you do that, I don't think that you will look at, um, congregational renewal, uh, the same way again. So the last two episodes that I want to share, both are deal with October 7th and the massacre and the, basically the uh, massacre of Israelis by Hamas terrorists. So the first one is that I, um, kind of the background is that I wanted to talk to a rabbi really about what happened in, on October 7th. And so I talked to, um, David Watson, who is a Methodist pastor and theologian, and, um, he shared the name Brad Hirschfield. And um, so I got to talk to Rabbi Brad in late October. So this was um, just a few weeks after um, the massacre. And um, what was fascinating about this was how he talked about it in the context of hope. And that's a hard thing to see if you've heard some of the stories of what happened on October 7th. But there is hope. Um, that's not ignoring what happened. And he definitely did not ignore what happened. Um, but it, I think that there was something meaningful about this episode and, and, and seeing where hope could come from. Um, and I think, as I said, um, I've written, I think Rabbi Brad just kind of exuded joy. And I think he really embodied what joy is about that, it, you know, happiness is kind of that state when things are going right. Joy is something a little bit deeper and, and it's not the same as happiness. Um, joy is not necessarily that you're happy, um, but there's something deeper there. And I think he showed that, and how you can have that sense of joy and hope, even in the midst of such evil. And in fact, that you need to have that in the midst of such evil, um, that Hamas did not steal his hope. And that's, and that's important to hear. So I hope, um, listen to the episode with Rabbi Brad. And then related to that episode was one that I did with, um, in November with Todd uh, Stavrakos. He is a Presbyterian pastor. Um, he has been for years um, a part of um, Presbyterians for Middle East Peace. And we talked really about, this was kind of, and I even shared it in the episode, uh, an experience I had at the General Assembly of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. Um, we have a lot of different non-binding resolutions that come up. And one of them that came up was, one that 
called for Israel to be deemed an apartheid state. And um, I disagreed with that. Uh, I don't, I, I, I guess I'm kind of an old fashioned, I believe in a two state solution. I don't think that Israel is innocent. Um, I don't think that the Palestin- Palestinians are innocent. Um, I think both have and have a right to live to live and to have places that they can call home. And so I think calling Israel an apartheid state just didn't ring, just didn't smell right to me. It felt wrong in many ways. And and I was curious and I noticed that that was kind of the, the line of thinking of a lot of people within mainline Protestant churches that was very much came down on one side. And that one side, of course, was the Palestinian side. Instead of seeing both sides, um, I know, both sides-ism, but but really to see the validity of both the arguments on both sides, that it wasn't all one person good and all one person bad. And so I was just wondering, why is that the case? And um, so I uh, chatted with Todd and we talked about really the history, especially of mainline churches, but especially the Presbyterian Church USA, and their kind of bias against Israel, and how that, what the effects of that are, especially with Jews, um, the Jewish community here in America. Um, I think it's a timely episode, and um, and when did I think that we need to kind of talk about, because I don't think that it's helpful. Um, and I think I think we might be doing a lot of harm with Jewish communities and that we have to find ways of, of honoring and being, um, being with and listening to Palestinians, especially Palestinian Christians, but Palestinians in general, but not at the expense that we don't respect, um, Jews and Israelis. Um, and that's all, you know, not easy. But I think that that's important. So those are the kind of the 10 episodes. Um, and again, they are not, you know, this is not a countdown of the 10 best episodes of 2023. It's just kind of the, the 10 that are the most memorable. Um, and there were a lot of other great episodes. Um, I really, that, that I enjoyed, but these were the ones that were most memorable. So what comes in 2024? I still want to do, I'm hopefully doing, I want to do more episodes on pockets of growth uh, within mainline Protestant churches and denominations. I definitely, because it's it's an election year, um, want to do something on religion and the election. And how do Christians respond, especially in light of some of the things that um, Donald Trump is saying as he is running for president yet again? Um, I want to do an episode at, at some point in 2024 on the working class and the church. Um, I just have not found anyone that I could talk to about it, but I think that it's an important issue because it actually does relate to the whole uh, Donald Trump issue. Um, I think how the political parties have kind of ignored the working class feeds into kind of Donald Trump's rise. And I know that's controversial. Some people don't believe that, but I think it does have a role. 
Uh, I'm also interested in talking about um, Canada's uh, medical assistance in dying law or MAID law that allows for assisted death. Uh, ben Crosby actually has talked about this episode about this issue. Um, having lived, having lived in Canada, um, and has some interesting things about how the church really has kind of not sp- spoken up on it. And so, what should the church be saying about this? Um, and what is the church in Canada saying or not saying? Um, it's an, kind of an important issue. I think you know we have here in the United States laws um, like. Uh, basically assisted suicide laws, mostly on, I think, on the West Coast, I think Washington State, Oregon, uh, California, but they're not used um, in the way and they're set up very differently um, than Canada's law. Uh, Canada's, I'm, to, to if I could be so blunt, doesn't have as many safeguards. Um, and so there have been a lot more people using that, that law. Um, they're set to actually expand the law um, early next year, um, for people with mental illness. Um, so you have people with post-traumatic stress disorder that are hoping to be able to have this done. Um, so it, there, it just raises a lot of questions. When is this, is it, is there any time that, you know, assisted suicide or euthanasia can be used? If so, when, what are the limits? Um, what does that mean for Christians? I think that these are questions that we need to be asking um, because we're seeing it across the border. Um, I don't know if that's going to change anything here, but it's something that we need to look about, to talk about. Um, I'd also, at some point, like to talk more with someone about abortion, but beyond just kind of the, not just the pro-choice, pro-life kind of argument that we usually have, but maybe a little bit deeper about some of the grays. Um, I think that there was an interesting pod um, episode of the dispatch podcast. If you have listened to it, um, where Sarah Isger, who is one of the hosts had a very impassioned conversation. Um, she is pro-life, but talking about some of the things that were happening with Texas law and how, um, and, and the Texas recent Texas case with a, a woman that, um, probably needed to have an abortion because of the child um, had a, a disease that basically was going to be fatal and could have some issues for her. Um, and so there was just a lot of impassioned conversation about, you know, how is this going to hurt and affect women? And you don't have to be a super pro-choice person to have some concerns about this. And I would love to kind of talk about this from a faith standpoint. So those are some of the things that I'd like to talk about uh, comment, come 2024. Um, but that's 2024. Um, as we kind of close out the year, I do want to say thanks to everyone who has listened to the podcast, who's shared an episode with someone. Um, and I do also want to say thank you. Um, to those who have donated, um, there are a few of you who have actually um, sent a donation. I have put things out there, but I, I don't have you know push it really hard. At least I haven't this year, and um, I've just been busy this year to try to do that. Um, 
But I do want to just say thank you for those that donate. It, it means a lot. It helps. Um, and it just is cool to have all these people around who have supported um, this crazy dream of mine of starting a podcast, um, especially how I started it, which is usual for me, at least, to kind of start things that and to see what sticks. So, um, so thank you. And, um, I definitely will look forward to seeing you all in 2024. Um, that is it for this episode of church in Maine. Um, again, all of the, the links for the episode, um, for the, the 10 most memorable episodes of 2023 will be in the uh, show notes. So please, you can find them there and then just listen to those episodes and feel free to share, share them well, with as many people as you can. Uh, just remember to rate and review this episode on your favorite podcast app so that others can find the podcast and uh, consider donating so that we can continue to produce more episodes. And again, that's it for this episode of Church in Maine, the last one in 2023. I'm Dennis Sanders, your host. Again, thank you so much for listening throughout all of 2023. I look forward to seeing you in 2024. Take care, Godspeed, and I'll see you very soon. Oh, 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 oh,